Friends, a quick update on our developing project to support the Ukrainian church during this traumatic time. As you hear this, I am in Romania on an emergency trip to assess refugee needs and to identify ministry partners to help rescue Christians still trapped in Ukraine and to support those who choose to stay. Please cover our team with your consistent and persistent prayers. I'll have much to report when I return in mid-March. In the meantime, please support the work and this broadcast with your generous gift today. Give online at CompassionRadio.com or call toll-free 1-800-868-2478. Please contact us today. And thank you. It's time for Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. time for Chasing the Word, and that means John chapter 17, the second part. Sandy, welcome back to the microphone. It's good to be back. We're in what seems to me about the most important personal moment of the entire Gospel of John, when Jesus is vocalizing to his Father in the presence of his disciples, his heart for them, Mm -hmm. and for all those who will come after them. Mm -hmm. It is the great aspirational and hopeful prayer in the face of death. I mean, this is like gallows talk. Mm -hmm. You know your time is short and you've got to get the last word out before everything changes for them. All part of God's plan, all part of Jesus's trajectory towards the ultimate showdown with evil and the restoration of all things new and opening the door finally for all of mankind to be able to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The stakes are high, of course. Two weeks ago, we also talked about the movie The Passion of the Christ and how much it traumatized people who watched it. Yeah, It brought to light, again, in the scripture that we don't really think about, how traumatizing it was and was going to be for those who were with Jesus at the time Mm -hmm. it all happened. And as I recall, there was a time when they couldn't even get an R rating for the film because some of the scenes crossed over the line according to all standards of decency, and it was going to be considered an adult film. Well, it was graphically violent. Yeah, and the truth is, that's what crucifixion was. I don't think it's great to look at violence anytime, but there are some things that are just so true that if we are mature enough to face it, mm-hmm. that it's important that we don't turn our eyes away from something as important as the truth. Yeah. And the disciples were not about to be spared that, and Jesus knew it. So in the middle of this chapter 17, he is making the big prayer, asking God to give them armor Mm -hmm. for the battle to come. Yeah. Well, we've seen up to this point, up through chapter 16, that Jesus seems to be urgent in all of the things he's trying to teach them. And in the beginning of chapter 17, it says, at this point, Jesus has said all he can say to prepare them. And so now... He just goes before the Father and offers this passionate, beautiful prayer for his followers to the Father, just begging the Father to keep them. He pours out his heart, the passion that he has for Think these people. Think of the scenes that have happened throughout the book of John. Of when Jesus starts talking to his Father, what happens? Mm. Stuff happens yeah. all around and people yeah. are slain. Like we talk about being slain in the Spirit, where the Spirit weighs so heavily on you, you can't even move. When Jesus would talk to his Father and Father would talk back to him, stuff like that kept going mm. on. It was that pervasive and so present. So I think when Jesus starts into his prayer, after all the talk, after all of their prayers, jumbled thoughts directed towards Jesus, Jesus speaks again to his Father. I imagine at that moment a hush, a weightiness, a presence settled on them while he's speaking these truths. Mm -hmm. They were able to remember those things later. And that's why it's so important that we pay attention to how Jesus prayed about his people, how his supplications for them to his Father have weightiness and meaning to us 
thousands of years later. Wow. Right. And this prayer applies to us today. And we talked about that some last week as well. And inserting ourselves into the scripture here and putting your name into the places where Jesus talks about them and they and you and who his followers are. I want to read verse 14 again, just to kind of get back into the scripture and then we'll go from there. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you will take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so they also may be sanctified by the truth. I pray not only for these but also for those who believe in me through their message. So that's us. That's who he's talking about here. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us. So the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they be made completely one so that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will make it known so the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. You mentioned last week how difficult it seems that he's talking about being in, being out, being there, being here. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. It's a problem, of course, with our English language compared to the Aramaic he's speaking with them in. But he is speaking about a duality. These things are both real and present at the same time. This calling awayness of going back to the Father and this yearning to be with still. It is an awkward sandwich of ideas and experiences, Mm -hmm. but it's still the reality we're living in. And if things can be confusing to us in the days we're living in, are things going to even out? Are things going to get back to normal? We hear that phrase all the time. Right. Or are things all different now? We don't know until we get there. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're going through until you've gone through it. Yeah, for sure. And you can't make much judgment about what it really meant or how important or how influential that experience was until you're beyond it. Mm -hmm. John is writing this from the perspective of having gone through it. And we are looking over his shoulders at one of the most crucial moments in history of mankind Mm -hmm. with eternal significance. But we got to acknowledge that while you're going through things... The reality is often confusion or unsettledness, Mm -hmm. because when great things happen, it is not normal that great things happen. Right. But that moment was the absolute reality of what that moment was called and designed to be Mm -hmm. and who they were designed to be in it. Yeah. Well, I like how you put it earlier when you said... It sounds like Jesus himself is feeling a bit of the turmoil, Mm -hmm. that the very human part of him is repeating himself a little bit, is going back and forth with his words. And yes, there is a sense of great determination and peace in Mm -hmm. him as he speaks these words, 
But there seems to also be a bit of topsy-turvy upheaval Mm. in him as he speaks. Or at least their memory of how he said it made them feel that way, and therefore they can represent it that way in the way they write it. Yeah. It's hard to get beyond your own personal experience to figure out what was really going on in that moment. They're being as honest as they can about what they experienced, but also trying to remember not everything we experience is absolutely the entire story. Sure. Jesus holds that story. Yeah. There's a sense for me of the idea of internalizing, you know— Jesus really did experience and live through the things we live through, but it's not the same thing as saying he internalized it or that he took it into himself and that was the end of it. Like he was just a a vessel holding all of our worries. Mm -hmm. When you and I talk about trauma, like they're going to be going through shortly with a crucifixion, when we work with people who experienced it before, the eternal problem, the one that's going to last forever, is not that they went through trauma. It is that the trauma remains and lives within and can't escape. It can't be dealt with. can't be transformed. Mm-hmm. It is itself a living hell mm-hmm. that's held within the vessel. Mm-hmm. Jesus is showing appropriate grief. He's showing appropriate hope. But he's also a realist. He's not trying to give pie in the sky things just to make them happy to endure it or get past it. He knows what they're going to go through. Mm-hmm. And real healing happens because the door is open And someone's safe is holding the door, enabling us to go in and out from that experience to what's outside. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is really true, honey, because I know that when we talk to people about situations that they're going through or try to, in some ways, prepare them for a situation like, yes, we know that this is going to be really hard for you. You're going to go through this. It's something that we've experienced before. We understand that it's really hard. Sometimes it sounds like we're being melodramatic, you know, like, oh, goodness, you're really making a big deal of this when, you know, I'm probably going to be fine. But then walking through it, wow, it smacks you upside the head like you never expected it to. In some ways, you can read what Jesus is saying here and go, you know, this sounds a little melodramatic to me. He's really over the top about the world hates them and how they're going to be persecuted and the prince of this world is going to be after them and trying to subvert their plans and all of these things. You don't want to believe those things. You don't want to hear that. You just want to go, just chill out, Jesus. Let's talk about the good stuff that's going to happen, which he does. But he makes a point to say, you need to listen closely because the world system is set against what we're working toward here, what we're calling the kingdom. What I've already accomplished and what I'm about to accomplish. What I have overcome. He says to the father, they're not products of this corrupt world order. But they don't really know it yet, I think. And immerse them in the truth. Let the Spirit reveal the truth to them. So they will know it. We talked in the previous program in this series about what the difference is in knowing. I've used an analogy of a recipe. You can know this is going to be a great meal and you see the ingredients on that page. And you know what the recipe tells you. You can even memorize that recipe so that anytime you need to do it, you'll be able to pull out of your head without having to have a prompt. Right. That is not the same as the meal. <laughs> and the experience, the proof is in the pudding. You'll know how good it is when you actually cook it up. Yeah. And you'll know how difficult things are when you actually go through them. Parents, if you've ever agonized about some place or a direction your child is going, knowing where that road will take them, and yet you can't force them to mm-hmm. not go there, but you know what it's like there because you've been there. Maybe you've gone through a trauma like they've gone through. For example, an addiction or something. You see your kids leaning towards that, and you've been addicted before, and you know it. And you know the pain that's caused by that road and where it ends up, but you can't stop it. That's devastating for a parent. But it's also one of the places where great empathy begins because you know what they're going to go through. 
oftentimes we just shut down because we can't take their pain anymore because we already had our own. And so we withdraw rather than go with them into there and become an empathetic bridge back to the truth and to reality, to safety. Yeah. It's tough on us in our own strength for sure. Many people just give up when people just won't change. Jesus knows he has all of heaven and earth under his foot. I mean, he's he's literally in command of the universe. He made it all. Mm -hmm. He has all the power and all the authority. And yet he's sitting with us agonizing Mm -hmm. over what Mm -hmm. he knows we have to go through because of what sin has done. So I give God in the scripture great credit for being willing to endure on our behalf with us in it. Not to just withdraw himself and say, okay, enough. You can't get it. We'll talk later and disappear. He keeps walking through this with them. Yeah, keeps reminding them of the truth. I think another analogy that I was thinking of is when in verse 24, is like, I long for a time that those you've given me are with me Mm. in my place, in glory. He can't convey that image either. I mean, Mm. it's like you go to this beautiful place and you tell all these people about it and you want them to experience it, but they really can't understand it until they go there themselves. Jesus is praying that the Father, through the work of the Holy Spirit, will give them a glimpse of what that is like, of what that future glory will be like, so that as they work through this trauma and as they walk through the difficulties that the world will heap on them because it hates them, they will know the future glory, the place that Jesus is going, is theirs and is ours. It would be good for us to remind ourselves that this place you're talking about is more than just geography. Mm. In fact, there's mm-hmm. probably a whole lot of things that are beyond geography. The idea of the glory of God is not just a heaven somewhere mm-hmm. else. He's talking about an entire state of being. The kingdom of God is here. He's saying it's right at hand. It's next door to you. In fact, the person you're touching could be the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. That is the glory of God present. Whether it feels like it yet or not, whether it seems like it's glorious, it's still God's glory. He's looking at those people, the kingdom he's already built, saying, this is my treasure. Mm -hmm. I see all the beauty of all it can become, but it's already beautiful. It doesn't have to come out of its chrysalis, out of its dirty stage to finally become the thing. They are the thing. They are the family. That's the mystery of the Holy Spirit work. We can experience that future glory presently and know that we are already in the kingdom. We are already experiencing the glory of God because of our commitment to Christ. We have a digital archive of photos of our kids and our family (laughs) life because our kids pretty much grew up in the digital age. Our first two kids, we took a lot of pictures with film and then we converted that later. But since our last two kids were born, pretty much everything we've taken of them has been digital. Mm Mm-hmm. Memories come back through Google or through Amazon when they show you this is your history. And to put it in the terminology like what we're discussing now, when you look back at all they've gone through and you've gone through with them together, it's glorious Mm -hmm. because you can see where they were in the moments when they were infants. That moment was holy. It was glorious. It wasn't all they were going to become. It wasn't going through all of the awkwardness of transitions into, you know, young adulthood and then on to adulthood yet. But even those awkward photos from the middle era of their lives so far, (laughs) it's glorious to just kind of bask in those memories. Like, we went through that together. Yeah. And then we see this collage of things from the time they were infants to the time that they were grown adults. It's like, wow. And it's not even the beginning of the story, hardly. Mm -hmm. This is going to go on for eternity for these kids 
their souls are won by the Holy Spirit, and we presented them as gifts to him on our altar of our lives, saying, they're yours, Lord, but thank you so much for giving them to me for this time. We have great hope for the future, eternally speaking, about all the things that God will make out of their lives Mm -hmm. and the legacy it'll leave behind because God was present. We're just talking about a photo archive. Right. (laughs) Think of how God sees us from the bottom of our soul, through all of our atoms, to the top of our head. He knows where we came from, what we're made of, and where we're going. Yeah. And for him, it's glorious. And Jesus here is saying, oh, when they finally get it, when they finally experience how much mm-hmm. glory is in all this, and when they're really with us in all of that glory, what a day. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful thing to know that Jesus longs for that as well, that he longs for that time. For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. As I mentioned at the top of the program, we have a very special giving opportunity to double your gift for a special offering to the church in Ukraine. Our friend Oleg Magdich is busy right now, and we need to stand with them. This matching gift is for at least $1,200 and available to you if you'll give this week. Our toll-free order line is one 800 868 2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. If you need to call early or late, that's okay. Just make sure to leave your name and phone number and we'll get back to you immediately when the doors open each business day. You can also give anytime online at CompassionRadio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can always find us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. God bless you as you stretch your faith I hope we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many years to come. And make sure to ask for your own copy of The Dynamic Gospel when you contact us today. Let's read this same passage from The Dynamic Gospel now, babe. Again, starting at verse 14 in John 17, the middle of Jesus' prayer for his disciples and the disciples to come. That means you and me. And they have my word, even when the world lashes out at them with hatred. They are no more of the world than I am. I don't pray that you would remove them from the world, but that you would keep them from the well-worn path of evil. In the world, but apart from corruption, just like me. Make them productive in every good thing that flows from your truth, and your living word is always true. So, as you dispatch me to the world, now I dispatch them throughout the world. For their sake I now set myself apart, so that they might be set apart to live the truth in all its power. And yet I'll ask one more thing, and not just for these that hear me today, but for everyone who puts their faith in me because of the testimony of these witnesses. May all who follow in the years to come be just as alive and one in us and with each other as any here today. As a result of this, may the entire world continue to discover that without a doubt you sent me. And may they comprehend that the glory you shared with me has now been given to them then they will experience the oneness we have always known. When they see me in each other and your likeness in me, things will be absolutely perfect. When there's perfect unity among them, the world will not be able to escape the truth that you sent me. The world will see that I love them perfectly, just as you have loved me with a perfect love. Father, I pray that every last one of these you have given me will be caught up in my glory. That where words can no longer express, the glory will speak for itself as they bask in it. May they stand with me to experience for themselves what love from before time is really like. 
Father, just one. The world flatly refused to understand or accept you, but I do. And so have these who have accepted that you sent me. I have lived your name out loud in everything it means. I declare it today and every day so that the fullness of the love you have shown me may take root in them and flourish completely, never to die out. Then it will truly be said that I am alive in them. Don't you want to live God's name out loud? Hmm. You just want to be so filled with the Spirit of God that it's loud. Yes, and amen. <laughs> yeah. When you see something that's inspiring, you want to emote, you want to mm-hmm. respond to it. You don't want to sit there on your hands and just stare. You want to be part of it. You want to express your gratitude for what you've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of great music you've heard. I see that happen with YouTube videos. you got to see this. Yeah. They, they send a link to you on Facebook or something, and you're like, you take two minutes out and say, oh, I needed that. Yeah. I just need to have that experience right now of something that was joyous, something that was interrupted the mundane or the anxiety I'm experiencing right now and just brings me back to that place where I know I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Jesus makes it very clear. He's talking about all of those to come, which means you and I. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned last week, put your name in the prayers. There's nothing wrong with that. When Jesus says, I hope that Sandy, I hope that Bram will know the glory just as I know you. When we put our names in prayers like that, we make it very personal because we're actually uncomfortable with the fact that we're that close to it. It's no longer outside of us. It's right in our face, which I think is exactly what Jesus wants this prayer to be. Mm -hmm. And that forces a decision on our part. Are we going to put ourselves into that intimacy with Christ that he longs for? He's praying that. He prays for that intimacy between us. He says, Father, I want them to know these things. I want them to experience the kind of joy that you and I experienced together before the foundations of the world, before we created any of this. And he says, when there's no more words to speak, when it's just your glory, let that speak. Let them bask in it. And he's pleading with the Father that we, you and I, would have that experience. So, yeah, it seems overwhelming that we would be caught up in that kind of relationship, in that kind of intimacy with Christ. But yet, that's what we really long for. That's what I long for. And I pray that that's what those that are listening to us right now long for, that intimacy with Christ, to know him in all his glory. Does God get what he wants? When Jesus asks something of his Father, does he get an answer to that? Has there ever been a time we've read in the scripture where Jesus didn't get exactly what he wanted? Only once that we can read about, and that is, if there's any other way, Father, but the suffering I'm going through, any other way to see this. Maybe he's losing his perspective as a human at that point. We don't know. But the only time I can think of was simply about his intimacy with his father and the agony of what he and the father were experiencing together, having to make this decision come to life and then come to death Mm -hmm. and come to life again. They decided that within themselves that they were going to do this. And still, it was an emotional experience for God. Mm -hmm. Enough so that it was loud enough that people around them could hear it. People recorded the words that Jesus said in the garden because he was saying them. It wasn't just a thought process, just some osmosis thing. He was beating his fists on rocks, trying to sort through with his father what this was going to mean in the next minutes, hours, and days to come. Yes, God lives in the emotional moments that we're in, but he also encompasses all moments, good and bad. Mm. But when God asks for something for us, I think we can pretty much count on the fact that God the Father is going to say yes to God the Son. Hmm. So why should we worry whether or not God will, in fact, in our lives ever do it? 
mm-hmm. bring us peace, bring us joy. I think because we lose sight ourselves mm-hmm. of how he is. Well, this prayer in and of itself reminds us of the passion that Jesus has for each of us. Mm. We should go back and read chapter 17 once a week, you know, just to remind ourselves that That Jesus is praying this. This is the passion that he has for us. He has a passion to do the work. He has a passion to put evil to shame and finally to destroy death itself. He has passion galore Mm -hmm. for the things that are passionate in his heart. Whatever's on God's heart is what he's going to act on. And his passion is for us. That's what we have for you at the end of chapter 17 in John. Remember, friends, that this project, this dynamic gospel, is yours. We're happy to give it to you for free. It's on our website every week with Bible study questions and answers that might help stir some new thoughts and new prayers in your life. Something you can use to share with somebody else you can sit down with over coffee to use in a Bible study group at your church. It's all available for you free on CompassionRadio.com in our podcast section. I hope you take advantage of that resource. And, of course, it's our gift to you. As a thank you for supporting Compassion Radio, if you'd like a copy of the Dynamic Gospel for yours to read, just ask for it when you support us with your gift today. And so again, friends, thank you again for being with us in this journey. We look forward to continuing it with you in the weeks to come as we go on to John chapter 18 next week. And we'll see you tomorrow for the next Compassion Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today, and it will be doubled with a matching grant. Call 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.